Hey there, everyone. So do you ever get tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Do you ever get the urge to cut through the world of everyday surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths? Well, then maybe the wisdom of podcast is for you. Because in this podcast, we explore great works of philosophy and literature and art and try to pull out of them what's most inspiring, invigorating, and interesting. Whether they come from the works of Plato, or Dostoevsky, or Picasso. Here, we explore ideas that move mountains and rock the soul. So, come join us, won't you? Come worship at the altar of ideas and come celebrate the dancing of thought. And don't be afraid of the leaping sparks, as you can be certain of one thing. They will kindle the light inside of you. Welcome to the wisdom of... Coming up today, Simone de Beauvoir's The Ethics of Ambiguity. Cards on the table, this one got sprung on me at the last minute. So right away, I grabbed the book and I started furiously reading it. But, you know, of course, it was all in vain. There was no way I was going to finish. But I do know that I wanted to be perceived as having finished it. So I got to work. First, I cracked the spine on the book, just in case anyone looks. It's the, you know, little details, right? Then I went straight to the interweb. There's got to be a YouTube video or, God forbid, another podcast, but those, those take time too. But then it hit me. I've heard of this thing called Wikipedia, but then I had a problem. You see, my home internet, it's strange. It's kind of like a coin-based operating system, like, you know, those washing machines you see in public, like you got to pump in the quarters and then you can use it. And I was completely out of change. I used my last quarters while I was drinking a mug of, of Pinot Noir and cruising a flat earth subreddit. Then I remembered, my neighbor, he prints out every Wikipedia page, making his old school kind of encyclopedia set in his apartment. Problem was, he wasn't home. So I broke in through the window, grabbed the ethics of ambiguity one, plus another one on Reese Witherspoon that is purely for personal use. But after that, I needed a nap. So I figured I could just read it all later. But the nap kind of spiraled out of control. I had a weird dream about a translucent bucket full of spaghetti, and somehow this was a huge problem. I woke up, and then I remembered, hold on, I don't need to do any of this. You're going to do a summary of it. So I'll wait with bated breath, strangely firm in my conviction that I have been ethical, and Simone de Beauvoir would heartily agree. You know, I, I'm pretty sure it'd take you less time to read the book than to recount these stories of yours. And uh, yeah, you are right. De Beauvoir would hardly agree that you come anywhere close to being ethical. But as usual, let me do your work for you. So first, and as usual, a brief summary. So Simone de Beauvoir was a French existentialist philosopher and a feminist. In case you didn't know, she had a lifelong relationship with another famous existentialist, Jean-Paul Sartre. 
Now, the work that we're going to look at today is one of de Beauvoir's most important ones, The Ethics of Ambiguity, published as a book in 1947. It's a book that grapples with the themes of freedom, choice, responsibility, and the meaning of life. Talking with you before the mics went hot today, that's a fancy industry term there, I glean that Simone de Beauvoir, she might be the most, I don't know, she might not be the most ethical person herself. First thing came to the front is she's obviously an avid reader of Spider-Man comic books. Like, who isn't? But it gets worse. Reading funny books is fine, but stealing from them, it's, it's sick. Everyone knows the famous Spider-Man line uttered by Uncle Ben, with great power comes great responsibility. Simone reads this, presumably notes it down, and then with a mischievous grin on her face, she erases power and puts freedom and expects us all not to notice. Now, I know what the critics of my truth will say. They'll say, you idiot, she wrote her book 15 years before Spider-Man even existed. To that, I simply say, you need to read more comics. Time travel, duh. So what does this obvious plagiarist have to say about how we handle freedom and responsibility? Now, in some strange way, that one worked. Anyway, yeah, so what does she have to say about freedom? Well, that's going to be the focus today. So what de Beauvoir does in The Ethics of Ambiguity is she examines a number of different ways in which people try to escape and to misuse their freedom. And she does this by listing five prominent characters, or, or better yet, archetypes of people who attempt to do this. All right, so you, you ready to go through them? I mean, she gives them some pretty cool names. Okay, here we go. So what de Beauvoir does is she begins at the lowest rung of the ladder, with a, with a worst kind of person, the worst kind of freedom evader, the subman. Okay, so what's the, the subman like? Well, essentially, he's the most dangerous of the archetypes that she lists. And the reason for this is because he's inert, he's passive, mopey, apathetic, and indifferent to finding meaning or purpose in life. He doesn't do much or, or create anything. He just, as de Beauvoir says, closes himself off and takes shelter in the ready-made values of the world. In Nietzsche's view, he'd be considered the last man. In the language of the existentialists, being fearful, he's congealed himself in imminence. He's reduced himself to pure facticity, to a thing in the world. Now, aside from the issue of not owning up to his freedom, why is this type of person especially dangerous? Well, it's because the subman can easily be influenced or manipulated into, into groupthink or into the, the service of dictators or authority type figures. In a way, you could say that the subman eagerly awaits commands. He's ready for mobilization. Maybe another way of putting this is that the subman is a type of person that's most likely to become one of a mob led by a charismatic leader. Actually, I think you could say that a lot of the online neo-Nazis and those of that ilk, for example, are submen. 
Okay, well, so the next archetype, the next uh, freedom evader, and this is maybe the most common one, de Beauvoir calls the serious man. So the serious man thinks that he solves the problem or the crisis of freedom by obstinately choosing some arbitrary goal or identity to define his values. He says he's absolutely something. Like, uh, for example, he says that he's a, he's a Christian or a husband or a conservative. And this is who he is forever. In this way, he fixes himself and denies his fluidity. And this is convenient because in this way, he's able to relieve his existential weight. He's able to avoid the anxiety or the uneasiness of his freedom. That is, of having to make a genuine choice at every new moment. No, he just says, this is who I am, period. But again, this is to hide behind a label. It's to seek refuge in a fixed identity. It's to not admit to the subjectivity of one's goals, and so to not admit to the arbitrariness of one's existence. So the point is, is that there's clearly something inauthentic about the serious man. But like the subman, there's also something potentially very dangerous about him too. And the danger is this, that the serious man doesn't question what he does or is or stands for. He thinks it's the absolute truth or has absolute value. But here's the thing. When one's goal or identity becomes fixed and uh, categorical, no sacrifice is too great to preserve it. The ends always justify the means. So, there is the very real potential for the serious man to turn into a, a tyrant or autocrat or, or cult leader. Actually, to illustrate this dangerous possibility, de Beauvoir gives a list of historical fanatics and avengers and administrators, all of whom were willing to kill millions in the service of some greater absolute value and idol. And uh, keep in mind that those who did the actual fighting for the cause of these serious men, they were, well, they were the submen. Okay, well, what's next? Oh yeah, okay, so the next archetype or theoretical stereotype that de Beauvoir talks about is the, is the nihilist. Okay, so in some ways the nihilist is a little more advanced. He's a little more authentic than the serious man. So, how so? Well, unlike the serious man, the nihilist faces and accepts the truth about the, about the ambiguity and the arbitrariness of human existence. And he realizes that there just isn't a, a ready-made, uh, pre-packaged, externalized meaning to life. As uh, de Beauvoir herself says, the nihilist is right in thinking that the world itself possesses no justification and that he himself is nothing. Now again, that's a positive step forward, de Beauvoir thinks. There's some lucidity or honesty there. But at the same time, there's a downside to the nihilist. It's this. What the nihilist thinks is that because nothing in particular is absolutely valuable, because human existence has no transcendent objective value, 
then therefore nothing matters at all. And so, instead of forging something of his own, the nihilist gives up on existence and even tries to destroy it. As Du Beauvoir herself says, what the nihilist forgets is that it is up to him to justify the world. So, whereas the subman will blindly follow tyrants and, and dictators, and the serious man will sacrifice the needs of others for his own noble cause, the nihilist no longer believes in anything at all, so much so that it makes him dangerous either to himself or to others. Okay, well, the next archetype up the ladder is someone de Beauvoir calls the adventurer. And as this idea of the latter suggests, the adventurer is one up on the nihilist. So, like the nihilist, the adventurer also recognizes the ambiguity of the world and that things are arbitrary and that life comes without a pre-planned purpose. But instead of succumbing to this void like the nihilist does, the adventurer takes this as an opportunity to get out there and to create his own values. He throws himself into his undertakings and explorations with zeal and zest. He lives the, the exciting and the romantic life. And most importantly, he does all this by making use of and asserting his freedom. He sees his freedom as a positive value, not something to hide from or as something debilitating. Now, all of this is pretty great. But again, like with the other archetypes, this way of life is not without its problems. And the biggest problem with the adventurer is that in the asserting of his own existence, in the pursuit of his own projects and explorations and conquests, he undermines the freedom of others. Or in other words, like the inveterate womanizer, Don Juan, he has his freedom and his fun, but at the expense of others. So the adventurer is selfish. He doesn't understand that his own undertakings affect other human beings. And to live like this is to ultimately participate in a kind of oppression, says de Beauvoir. Okay, well, the last major archetype that de Beauvoir explores is the passionate man. Now, the passionate man, unlike the subman and the serious man, doesn't evade or try to escape from his freedom. In this way, he's, he's like the adventurer. Now, as the name suggests, the passionate man is, well, very passionately attached to the choices he makes. Actually, in some ways, the passionate man resembles the serious man in the sense that they both live by some value, something that they really um, organize their life around. But yet, there's a fundamental difference between them, a really important one. It's this. While the serious man chooses a ready-made label or value to live by, the passionate man chooses something out of a self-conscious expression of his own freedom. So, while the serious man chooses something that's external to himself, you know, like uh, he says, I'm going to be a, a cookie-cutter Republican or whatever. What the passionate man chooses and commits to is going to be something 
as de Beauvoir says, that springs entirely from his own unique subjectivity. Now, de Beauvoir thinks that the passionate man comes pretty close to exhibiting real freedom. But like all the other archetypes, there are potential problems with him too. I mean, even though the passionate man can give incredible meaning or contribution to the world through his single-minded, passionate project, there is the danger that, in doing so, he'll withdraw himself from the world and that he'll become monomaniacal in his outlook and so pursue his project at all cost. In other words, there's the danger that his freedom becomes a a separation from others and that, well, that he'll treat others as means to his own grand ends. At the end of the day, as I mentioned at the outset, I think that what de Beauvoir is doing here is trying to show us how we, we either escape or we misuse our freedom. If we're like the subman or the serious man, we'll refuse to acknowledge our freedom at all, reducing ourselves to things, or as the existentialists put it, committing ourselves to pure facticity. But on the other hand, if we're like the nihilist, or the adventurer, or even the passionate man, the risk is, is that we'll misuse our freedom by, in one way or another, failing to acknowledge the freedom of others and distorting our relationships with them. Ultimately, and this might seem paradoxical, but for de Beauvoir, the best way to ensure our freedom is to will the freedom of others. You see, the more we undermine others in our own path to freedom, the more we're actually denying our own freedom in the process. That's to say, my freedom is dependent on others having theirs. I mean, think about it. If I want to get something done, if I have an important project or contribution to give, the only way that's going to fully happen or manifest itself is if others are free enough to extend what I'm trying to build beyond my life, right? In other words, my will and my long-term projects only make sense in relation to those of everyone else. So, to really be free, to ensure the condition of freedom, is not to have the power to do anything we want, but it's to do all we can to serve the cause of freedom itself, which means supporting each other, like the stones in an ark. Listening to the Wisdom of Podcast. If you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general, visit wisdomofpod.com. And as usual, we love to read your questions and comments. Reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on Twitter at wisdom underscore pod. Our next episode. Sit harder.